Thank you for being, and welcome to the Pineal Podcast. I'm Josh, and I know that I know nothing. So I created this podcast to help awaken my spirit. Sean St. Hart is a philosophical sociologist and co-founder of Charitable Humans, a tax-exempt organization working to advance purposeful and systemic social change. He is also the host of the podcast Coup Save America. Let's hope. Sean, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. You have a podcast called Coup Save America. What does America need to be saved from? Itself at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, the duopoly that we have and the corporate control that exists over our government. Um, you know, it, it's really something that astonishes me that we haven't seen any kind of a people-led movement, a general strike or, or something. Um, it, it It's quite depressing. <laughs> corporation, corporate capture of everything. Yeah, uh, there was an election last week. Some of it still hasn't been decided. Nothing screams election integrity, like waiting a week to know who won. But um, <laughs> regardless of who won, uh, you know, whatever names or faces are put in there, it's the military industrial complex, big oil, big pharma, big ag, the 0.1%. Um, you said, uh, quote, tweeted Joe Biden and said, uh, he said the recent elections made an emphatic statement that in America, the will of the people prevails. You said, correction, the will of corporations prevailed. Why do people believe that the politicians, um, aren't owned by the wealthy and corporations? Well, I don't think it's a matter of that they don't believe it as much as they think that it's the other party, right? Um, it, it astonishes me that the number of so-called leftists that that seem to be oblivious to the fact that, well, first off, just the fact that they chose Joe Biden. Um, I mean, corporations chose him, but the 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 love fest that people have for him, the the oh, look at what he's accomplished, accomplished for whom? I mean, it's it's all. <laughs> I mean, like the marijuana thing that he he did, right? Not a single federal prisoner is being released because of that, and yet people are like, oh, he's legalized marijuana. Yet, yeah, no, no, he hasn't. Uh, he promised to do more on healthcare. Has he done it? Absolutely not. They couldn't even codify Roe v. Wade, I, 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 and people are like, well, but Democrats don't have a majority. <clears throat> yeah, they kind of do, and and. The fact that you claim that they don't is kind of an indication of a problem here. I mean, we've got a one-party system, and people just don't, I, I don't know. It seems so obvious to me, uh, and yet so many people are just, I don't know, maybe it's just a state of denial, you know? Um, and, and stunningly, you know, conservatives almost seem to be more reasonable on this point than than so-called leftists. It's a... Uh... It's a desire to feel that your team is somehow noble and to be a part of a team. I never made this connection before, but I, I used to watch sports a lot uh, growing up in Chicago. I was a big sports guy. And when I left Chicago, I was out of the home market and I stopped watching my teams. And then I completely disconnected from those teams. And I've more recently turned on a game. And I don't know any of the names, any of the players. Uh, and so my association with that team is nostalgia and um, 
just it, it they are nameless faceless people in jerseys that i am supposed to be connected to because that's where i'm from and uh the players are traded around uh by uh corporations and wealthy individuals and then they stir up the crowd uh to follow uh sporting news and uh buy merchandise uh and say that your team is better than the other team and it had never really occurred to me how similar uh sports uh and the obsession with who's winning or your association with uh these others is similar to politics do you feel that oh absolutely absolutely i mean it's it's branding basically it's what it is it's no different than pepsi and coca-cola it's just it's a brand and um it's heavily marketed and um you know and th there's no winners you know as far as the people regardless of who wins these elections i mean at least in a team sport at least when your team wins at least you know you have some sort of you get something from it um but with politics you know one of the things that i love about your your podcast is <clears throat> and and i try to do this on mine too but you're you don't play this this game right i mean you have conservatives on you've got um and those are some of my favorite conversations actually i mean you had a, a recent episode that i listened to um i forget who it was but you started off saying you know we're not supposed to agree we're supposed to not like each other and you know you you brought out so many similarities that you did agree upon and that's what's missing in this country is is we're first off that we're missing a media a news media that actually delivers the news and not propaganda um but i love that that's what we need more of right we i mean and i love that episode i mean the, the, there's many episodes of yours that i just have fallen in love with um i loved your the recent one that you did with the green party candidate too um i thought that was very informative but it really inspired me the way that you had that conversation with with a conservative and, and again you you're so right when you said we're not supposed to talk we're not supposed to like each other the narrative is that we disagree on everything and you're evil and that is really steeped into the american mindset to a point where we're on the verge of destroying ourselves and, and this is exactly what the political system wants us to do as well by the way they want us to turn on each other so that we're not paying attention to the real enemy which is the corporate control of everything well, so how did you free yourself from the illusion that your neighbor is your enemy um i killed them all <laughs> i you know i i don't think i fully woke up until probably the 2016 election. Uh, I mean, I always felt disenfranchised politically. Um, I mean, I, I think it's sort of almost just this meme throughout my entire lifetime that, and probably everyone's lifetime, just this notion of politics not serving the will of the people. I mean, it's just, oh, politicians are corrupt and you, you know, we just accept that. I don't think I fully, Hillary Clinton, uh, I guess I I owe her a debt of gratitude for for this because that contest between her and Bernie Sanders I think was was illuminating on many levels. Um, it it really 
I didn't even realize that someone like Bernie Sanders, you know, was possible. And of course, he's been very disappointing since then. But that to me, when I saw the the huge people that, you know, the rallies that he did, I mean, it, it was really only secondary to Trump. And her campaign, talk about a disaster. There, there was a, there was a bit of honesty in her deception, her deception a little bit um, in that she sort of revealed the system in a way that I don't think had had been done, at least not for me before. And. Stupid me thought, Bernie, I thought oh, he's going to win. I mean, this is a message that resonates with people. He's going to win. And uh, then, you know, you've got Hillary's like, well, you know, Medicare for all. That's a pipe dream. That's never going to happen. Yeah, because it's, you know, never happened in any other country. That's for sure. Oh, wait, it has. That on and and just, you know, the, the fact that she wouldn't release the speeches that she gave. Well, first off, the fact that she even gave speeches to Wall Street and people paid her to give them is astonishing. Um, But her condescent and, and of course, then you, there was the interviews that, that I saw with her dealing with black people, which I just thought, oh, that's. She told one black lady in a, in a Starbucks or a coffee shop, well, why don't you run for something? Yeah, hey, that's the way to get the black vote. I mean, Bernie Sanders gave the mic to uh, black protesters and um, you tell them to go run for something and get out of your face, basically. So I think that's when I, I woke up uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. And and when he got screwed out of the, the nomination, that to me was, yeah, I got to really reevaluate whether or not this party is something I want to be a part of. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, in 2016, I went to one of those Bernie rallies in Boulder, Colorado, and it felt very much like a music festival. And actually, a band called The Samples uh, opened for Bernie, and I I loved The Samples, and so I I went you know and listened to the music and and then listened to Bernie speak, and everyone was charged up, and it was young people being involved yeah. and uh you know i was disillusioned with the system uh around the time of the occupy movement and then i'm like oh bernie sanders well not great uh on foreign policy but i'll take it man this yeah. this is great if 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 we can thread this needle if we can get bernie in here this will this will work and i participated uh and I tried again in 2020 yeah, me too. Um, because because why not? Right. It's like you got to You got to do something and and never again, uh, <laughs> never again. It doesn't matter uh, what uh, shade of blue you put on the corporate uh, yeah. war propaganda, corporate whatever you want to call the Democratic Party, a party not of the people. It doesn't matter who you put in there. It doesn't matter what color that person is. It doesn't matter what gender or sex or whatever label you're putting on them. They are a Democrat uh, and they will uh, vote in line with and protect the interests of the Democratic Party. Uh, and it's it's interesting you use the, the term woke up. Um, I have a friend uh who says uh, everybody thinks everybody else needs to wake up. Uh, and I also 
I think that terminology has been weaponized. Uh, yes. Who who is woke? What is woke? What what uh, enlightened uh, to awakened or enlightened? Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's like if your message doesn't agree with the prevailing narrative that the machine wants you to believe, then you are not woke in the eyes of the machine. Does that make right. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, look at the weaponization of the word woke. I mean, look at the weaponization of Black Lives Matter. Look at the, I mean, um, I don't even call myself progressive anymore. I just plan out, say, socialist or communist because, I mean, the word progressive now, um, I mean, what really soured me on the word was when Amy Klobuchar described herself as a progressive. I mean, that woman is a... Talk about a corporate tool. I, 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 I'll be careful what I say here. <laughs> but you can say whatever you want about whoever you want to, because that is our right in a free country and a free world. And as long as it doesn't infringe upon anybody else's freedom, then our language, our speech uh, should not be restricted in any way. And this culture of canceling somebody for our oh. disagreement with them is really frustrating but amy klobuchar is a monster so say whatever yeah. you want about her <laughs> no that's a great word monster i mean i i the fact that she even lasted throughout the camp i i just was like what the i mean if, if anyone if anything told you that the fix was in it was the fact that she survived as long as she did in that campaign she had not, she i think she literally told people look under your chair oh there's nothing there that's what i'm offering you at, at some event and i'm like what kind of psychopath? And then every, I loved it. Everybody made a big deal about her on the, oh, she made her campaign speech in the in the snow. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. In, in the middle of a blizzard, and she's like, oh, look at me, I'm strong. You're you're giving your supporters potentially colds and and for what? So that you can stand there in the, in in a blizzard to announce your candidacy for president. This is this is your your big selling point. I just was like, what the hell is going on in this country? I mean, there was a circus on both parties, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, you know, you, you had Trump, which is always good for a laugh. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. I, I, and I don't know if you watch Jimmy Dore uh, uh, at all. Um, a huge fan of his. But one of the things, that, you know, he, he loves to point out is that, you know, Donald Trump simply puts a... Um, a bad face on on the system as, as it really exists. And I think that's absolutely correct. I think that Donald Trump in many ways is is probably the most honest and transparent person in politics because he 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 reveals everything that we're not supposed to see. And he does it so I mean I think it's just the way that he does it that offends people. And to be honest with you, I, when when Hillary lost, I actually that was the moment where I actually had the most hope. Because I was convinced in my little mind that, okay, people are going to finally see the system for what it is, and we're not going to make this mistake again. And, you know, Bernie will run again, and of course he'll win, never thinking that someone like Joe Biden, which I did not vote for Joe Biden. I'll admit, shamefully, and I regret this to this day, I did vote for Hillary Clinton because I did kind of buy into that whole fear factor. But I, 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 I promised myself was last time. I won't vote for her again. And I'm not, I'm done. I'm, you know, no more of these corporate candidates for me. And so when Joe Biden was the nominee, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm done. 
Um, and I did not vote for him. I didn't vote for Trump either, but, but I, stupid me, I really thought, uh, you know, people would, would wake up and I was inspired, you know, I mean, many times during the Trump presidency, people stood up, uh, you know, we had protests in the streets. Uh, we, we, you know, had these, these movements and I thought, okay, we're, this is finally get it, get us into, you know, a place where we can actually demand change. Well, the system, you know, prevailed in squashing that whole idea. So now, yeah, I, I don't politically, I don't think we have a political solution. I don't either. Um, Trump, Trump's an interesting one. He uh, announced he's running for president again the other day. Uh, and I listened to a little bit of the speech and the the thing is, he does call out a lot of the problems that exist. He also said um, in that speech, he wants a lifetime ban on members of Congress lobbying after they leave and also a ban on them trading stocks on insider information. That's absolutely a problem. Money in politics is absolutely a problem. He calls them out as corrupt yep. and then he, you know, elects his own corrupt, elects, <laughs> uh, appoints his own corrupt people when he's in there and uses the system to benefit himself and then ushers in a brand of authoritarianism. I, it's scary when he says peace through strength um, because I think it was, was it Einstein who said uh, peace can only be achieved through understanding. Um, yeah. it, it, peace can't be achieved through strength. Uh, imperialism is maintained through strength and the police state is maintained through strength. It's interesting also, I didn't think we'd, because you brought up Klobuchar and I think about Minnesota and I think about the George Floyd protests and I think yeah. about Ilhan Omar. Um, and the reason I bring up Minnesota is twofold. The Floyd protests, I watched Unicorn Riot uh, on YouTube, who does on the ground reporting uh, and the way the police corralled uh, over and over again when they were having their protests, the people and just like that we already have fascism. That is the police yeah. state. That's the uh, corporate state merger that we have. Um, so there's that. And then uh, line three, uh, which was the pipeline going through 200 uh, rivers and streams. Um, and uh, obviously no one within the Democratic Party like everyone's like Keystone, Keystone, we're going to cancel Keystone. It's like, great. What about all the other projects yep. that you're working on? And I always like reminding people when they say we have, uh, you know, fat Trump is going to usher in fascism. It's like, well, um, you know, when like. Ferguson, Missouri, the Occupy protests and Standing Rock all happened under Obama. I watch when the police state uh, aggressively, uh, it's like non-lethal non bullets, like rubber bullets. Come on now, uh, tear gas, which is a- uh, Weapon of war. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it would be a weapon of war, a chemical weapon that's banned and using uh, against other countries, but we're allowed to use it to repress our own people. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't plan to, talk about Minnesota, but, you know, those are instances that uh, show the underbelly of what is happening, because anytime there's a current of uh, movements 
that coalesce around whether it's uh, climate change or uh, uh, the rights of the people or the way the banking institutions are making things unfair for everybody, the police state will uh, stand right up and crush the people down with uh, these weapons of aggression. Um, yep. And that's a, it's a scary thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, look at what's going on over in Iran, right? Now, I love how the mainstream media and, and all of these, you know, Americans themselves like, oh, my God, they're going to send us into death and they're going to look at the crackdowns. And I'm like, what, are, what the hell are you talking about? What, you, do you not see that here in this country as well? I mean, you know, we may not sentence people to death, but the police just kill them. I mean, and. You know, there was a oh, I forgot her name, I think her name, I think it's Brittany. Um, a black woman who um, during a Black Lives Matter protest uh, said to a cop something to the effect of, I'm willing to die for black lives. Um, you know, are you willing to die for for blue lives? Something to that effect. It wasn't a threat. Everybody around said that there was nothing threatening about what she said. Um, she was sentenced to, I believe, 15 years in prison for a bunch of bogus charges. Um, she's currently pregnant at a high risk pregnancy. That right there is fascism. I mean, the fact that you can't even say something to a cop. And again, she she wasn't, I, and I bangled, I'm sure I mangled the quote as to what she said, but it was something to that effect. And her point was, you know, I'm willing to die to protect my people that you keep killing, just the same as you're willing to die to protect, you know, your little cult. And for that comment, and, and again, she was very friendly. She said it, it was very non-threatening. Uh, the police officer even acknowledged as much, but still arrested her and 15 years in prison. Now they're trying to free her because, I mean, she's got the high risk pregnancy and, and you know, and a lot of people have said, well, you know, they should certainly reduce the charges. They should not be any charges to begin with. I mean, this is something that happens over and over and over again. And in her case, this could be a death sentence because, again, she's got a high risk pregnancy. So there's all sorts of different ways we sentence people to death in this country that it's just not as obvious as perhaps what Iran is claiming to do. Um, so I agree with you. We've had fascism in this country, I think, probably since day one. I mean, if you just look at this whole slavery, I mean, this country was never really built. I like to say that the founders of our country are the one percent of today. There's always been this one percent. It's always been, you know, wealthy, usually white males in control, a very handful of people. I mean, the fact that our founders didn't even intend for everyone to vote. I mean, you had to have, you know, land and all of the other. I mean, this this idea of democracy is laughable to me. And and by the way, do you know if we saved democracy in this election? I haven't heard. I'm just assuming that we must have. Well, that would uh, <laughs> point to the fact that we actually live in a democracy. Um, and obviously we don't. But, uh, you know, it's interesting with the founders. Um, because as much as uh, they had issues, uh, certainly, and how they set it up and kept it for themselves, a lot of their writings uh, yes. seem, seem brilliant to me. Um, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, I like Jefferson, when injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Uh, yep. And and it it's like, how, how could one, um, know these things? How could one, uh, John Adams said, uh, 
the happiness of the people is the end of government. It's like, how could one know these things and at the same time own slaves or think anybody uh, lesser than them? Um, because no one, nobody is better than anybody else. We're all on this journey on this planet. Uh, I don't, I don't care the um, things you have done in your life uh, that make you uh, feel like you may be less or feel like you may be better. Everyone, regardless of the things they've done in their life, is deserving of compassion. And in in my view, um, and so it's I, I always find the the founders to be quite the conundrum um because how could one know this deeply and still have um how does one own a slave how does one believe that they have ownership over another being um that that one that one always gets me <laughs> well you know that's part of being human right is that we we internalize and we justify things i mean i like to say everything is justifiable i mean hitler had justification for what he did the problem is is that we don't all agree on those justifications and those some of those justifications are outright evil. But I mean, I don't think that Hitler, for instance, woke up every day and looked at looked at himself in the mirror and said, you're you're an evil son of a bitch. He in his mind, for whatever, was, you know, he had justification for what he was doing. And there were a lot of other people that had their own little, you know, power incentives uh, that added, uh, you know, contributed their little evilness to it. Um, but we all, you know, I would like to say that if I had been born back in the, the days of slavery, I would have, I would be just as opposed to it then as I as I I am now. But the the problem is, is that the culture and society and the times in which we're living dictate so much of, of what we believe and our perceptions. And as much as I'd like to believe that, I I don't know. It would depend on where I was born, who my family was, um, you know, the 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 culture that I was immersed in, and so I think that that because we like to think of ourselves as individuals, but we're really we're we're products of a society. So I think that's how because yeah, it does seem baffling. You 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 understand freedom, and I think that they probably knew that it was wrong, but at the same time, you know the culture sort of that in their minds it was justified and and uh, that's what we have to remember we have to think about you know what we justify and what we think is right and and that's a challenge to to, to confront ourselves with that sometimes i you know it's interesting because i can play that scenario out with one in my life because uh, growing up in chicago and uh thinking that being a man was very important and men ate meat uh, men ate animals, um, and I ate animals, and I thought it was manly to eat as many animals as possible and have a bacon cheeseburger and be able to cook a steak on a grill, and I had to go through a journey of uh, learning and understanding to go vegetarian, and eventually now I'm I'm vegan, and would I it's like if you grew up because it's all learned right it's learned right. behavior that uh that separation this individuation exists that i am different from you i i have a i have a baby right now she has no idea what 
what is different that she is different she you know babies they see energy way better than we do um and and we're going to teach her uh what her nose is what her mouth is that that other person isn't is an other person um that there is a you know that there are separation between us which depending on what you believe whether or not that separation truly exists it's a whole nother conversation but so so I was taught to believe that eating animals made you a man and through uh watching a documentary by Joaquin Phoenix called Earthlings uh and and visiting a farm sanctuary and and understanding the plight of the animals I decided that I should no longer be eating them and now I don't and so when I think about uh you know how could you have it's like I hope that I would have had a similar uh enlightening journey because wherever I started and whatever I was taught um would be what I believed until I learned to rebel against uh what i was taught and believed through an expansion of consciousness which can only happen when you rebel against what you've been taught does that yes. make sense <laughs> absolutely no absolutely i mean but it takes courage though too, to 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 rebel and to resist that and that i think is something that again is very difficult for people because you know, you, you have to part of, of of being human and part of this being part of a society is and, and this kind of goes back to ancient times or even back to the hunter gatherer societies in an extent where your, your survival depended upon being part of a group. And if you resisted, you risk being, you know, you know, I mean, in some cases killed, but I mean, abandoned, essentially which is again, a death sentence. And while that doesn't exist so much today, um, we have, you know, the social aspect where, you know, you want to be socially acceptable. You want to, you know, be, you, you know, fit in. And so sometimes it takes courage to say, you know, I'm willing to face banishment on social media or in my church or, or whatever um, and stand up for what I believe. But it's very, very difficult for for people to do. And I mean, we, I think we're like I love how you say that we're always on a journey because that's exactly what we are. I mean, life is a journey, and we should always be um, anything that we believe firmly from from the start. We should always question. We should always be questioning our our motives, um, the things that we see around us, um, and be you know find the courage to admit i mean i love the fact that i'm ignorant on things I, I love learning that i'm wrong about things because to me that that means something more than just pretending that i'm right about everything so i, I love being wrong i love being proven wrong about things because that's for me that's a learning experience and for some reason there, there's there's this thing called ego that seems to get in the way for so many people right i mean I deal with this on, um, I've got someone on Facebook who just refuses to ever acknowledge um, anything. Like we were having an argument um, about the student debt forgiveness uh, under Biden. And I had mentioned even Nancy Pelosi knew that this was illegal the way he did it. She never said that. It's like, oh, here's a link of her saying that very thing. And 
He's like, well, she didn't mean that like that. It's like, you know, learn something. I mean, if you're going to make, I mean, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to and it, it at least offer something other than the word nonsense, which is what Hugo Boris responds with is just, that's nonsense. It's like, okay, well, that's not really an argument. <laughs> but, and that goes back to that team sport thing too, um, where you have to protect your team no matter what. So I think, you know, what you said, it makes a lot of sense. I, I just think that, it comes down to courage and it comes down to um, overcoming your ego and, and it's okay to be wrong. It's, it's okay to have, that you've done, you know, things in the past that, that you're, you know, not proud of. I mean, that, that's, that's all of us. That's part of being human. And I think we've lost that. I think is the key is that we've lost our humanity. We've lost touch with what it means to be human. We don't seem to, um, I mean, being human is pretty spectacular when you think about it. I mean, consciousness, uh, you know, the, I'm huge into, um, well, I come from a sociology background, but I, I, I've recently become very immersed into um, neurology because there's so so many new developments that are coming out and the study of consciousness and um, learning just how the brain really works. And it's quite amazing, right? And to be on this journey, to always be learning and to, to be adapting, um, but there's something about the modern society that that seems to just impede that. Uh, and maybe that's just the way the system is. But I, I, what do you think? Well, it's funny because the minute you said being wrong, I thought that's very difficult for the ego to deal with. And unless you have spent time breaking down your ego consciousness, you're very tied up in uh, your sense of individual self um and so people don't feel comfortable it's very uncomfortable it's an uncomfortable space uh to be wrong but uh growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone um no. and so you can oh was it osho who said uh the less people know the more firmly they know it <laughs> yes. um and i like now I'm pulling to Krishnamurti because I want to say one other thing. Uh, his quote, governments want efficient technicians, not human beings, because human beings become dangerous to governments and to organized religion as well. That is why governments and religious organizations seek to control education. Um, and I like I everything that you've just been talking about, like, I feel like that's what it boils down to it's like uh to continue the system that benefits the those at the top we can't question the system too deeply and we can't rebel against it and it is very easy to distract us with sporting events and gambling and alcohol and lights and sounds and uh <laughs> divisive yeah. issues that are divisive towards our neighbors but not towards the power structures that ultimately need to be dissolved by the people it is the right of the people to dissolve uh these power structures that don't actually serve us anymore but um i think it was malcolm x who said uh the the fault of the movement was that we uh forgot to wake up the people first and going back to the waking up but like until the individual becomes conscious you can't have an expansion of collective consciousness 
like people need that individual courage and they need to come forth for their own because the yeah. revolution will not be televised uh and and you can't you have to do it you have to be the one making the revolution and until enough of us stand up and speak out uh nothing's going to change and voting will <laughs> never change it because if it did they wouldn't allow us to vote exactly well, yeah, you know, I mean, and there's a fear of voting that that's very palatable too. I mean, you know, the idea like, oh, we can't let inmates vote. Why the hell not? What what what's the worst that's going to happen? They they vote. <laughs> I mean, is there vote going to break them out and they're going to start going on a murder spree? I, I mean, it's absurd. Um, this fear of of voting, and I mean, frankly, I think that if you're everyone has you know, is entitled to vote as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't care if you're in the, for, again, if you're in this country, you, you, you ha you're a stakeholder. It just astonishes me that this idea that, that this fear that we have of voting, and that comes from both parties. Um, well, and, and you mentioned, uh, um, I think uh, several times in your podcast, uh, you know, the the opposition that uh, the Green Party has faced on the ballot by both Democrats and Republicans. And yet, you know, this is Democrats that, oh, democracy is on the ballot. Really? You kind of kicked it off. <laughs> I mean, it was on the ballot. And then you kind of literally said, no, we don't want it. <laughs> we don't want opposition. And and yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I wanted to vote. Um, I, my only options in Washington state we're Democrat and Republican. Um, I wanted to vote green. I wanted there to be a green candidate on the ballot. There, there wasn't. Uh, there were green candidates in the state, just not in my district. And it was really infuriating. And, and it's just like, how, how do we have two parties? I, I mean, and it didn't even use, first off, we should get rid of parties in the, altogether. I mean. Going back to those founding fathers, they were dead set against political parties yeah because i mean it 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 just turns it, it literally turns it into a team sport it's one team is eviler than the other pick your the lesser of two evils and i look i'm all for harm reduction but at some point harm prevention ought to be on the ballot and that's just not going to happen with the system that we have and you know and you're right you know we and we and, we use the word revolution. Revolution can mean many things. I am astonished that we have not seen something more. Um, I mean, we've seen Occupy Wall Street, but it seems as though the suffering has gotten to a degree that is so, I mean, look at the homeless population exploding, right? Um, it just is like, wait a minute, why has this not happened? Why has there not been, I mean, I don't know, a general strike or um, something something more than what we've seen and and it the the fear that i have is that we we have a a a very effective propaganda machine in the united states and um i i think that people are i mean just look at the even after all that we've been through with trump and covid and um you know this this election it 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 it, it really just it's like yeah we've learned nothing um everyone's just can you know this idea like what democracy is on the ballot no it's not on the ballot what do you mean it's on the ballot 
That's all Democrats are offering you is this thing called democracy or, oh, the soul of the nation, which I wanted to slap Joe Biden every time he says that. Soul of the nation. Yeah, if the, if the nation had a soul, trust me, it's not one that we want to save. But go ahead. I was just going to say the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. And there is an abundance of apathy uh, amongst the people. And when you feed them crap food and poison the water and distract them with television and uh, and lottery and gambling, you know, it's they have become um, experts at distracting the people and uh, with the phones, the freaking screens that we keep in our pocket that we are addicted to as well. Um, then you find that you don't care uh you 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 go to a job um and the whole system it's like hilarious because you you go to the job to pay for the car that you drive yeah. to the office to pay for the clothes that you wear to the office assuming you even have an office job um or you're taking public transportation which takes one or two hours uh, a day to get there which assuming they even have reasonable public transportation you get home um you also need to do that to pay for the child care assuming you have yep. kids the cost of child care is too expensive you come home after you've spent all this time outside of the house that you're actually working to pay for and then you watch tv and you numb yourself out with alcohol or, or opioids um and that is you know it's like it's very easy to see how people get uh caught in this system yes. of apathy um i i when you talk about it not happening within this country i right before the pandemic i went down to chile and argentina uh and at the time chile was having mass protests and revolution and at one point when i left the bus station i was in a taxi cab going down the street in uh god what's the santiago and on the left side of the street there were uh i was on the right and on the left side of the street there were a bunch of guys like 40 people in masks burning a bunch of trash in the street and we kept driving and there were tanks uh coming down the other side of the street and like the entire military with uh, assault weapons um and then we were also, God, I forget where I was on New Year's, but it was it was tear gas and helicopters. It, like they they were working to repress the people. And I spoke with uh, someone in a hostel uh, who, who lived there, and he he just said the cost of water is too high. They're raising it, and we need to stand up as a people. And I it it was so simple like it's like that's one of the many problems that we have yeah. uh but i it was like i was like wow this is what we need right it, the, yeah. we need people to become so frustrated that it doesn't matter that they're using their massive police state to repress us the people always outnumber the police state um yes. but only when we stand together in unity in our numbers um with a shared common goal of fixing the problems for everybody um then we're never going to have that and so i was so inspired uh by chile and then we come home and pandemic starts and uh yeah you talked about the holocaust earlier and i i'm jewish and i grew up learning about the holocaust and 
I never understood how it could happen. And watching the way that people were so easily turned against their yeah. neighbors for not getting a vaccination pushed by big pharma that doesn't even work uh, and restricting them from uh, their jobs, firing them. Yeah. I, like I've never seen a bigger human rights abuse uh, in my life. And it finally made sense to me. It's like, it's not Hitler. I'm sure bad. Right. But like, so is uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Like we're yeah. killing black and brown people all over the world for the profit of the military industrial complex. It's the people that are so easily swayed to go along with uh, the policies that uh, repress the rights of individuals and, and hurt their neighbors. Um, and I think I, I said that earlier in the pandemic and a lot of people got angry at me for saying uh, likening it to the holocaust because people feel like the holocaust is a it's an untouchable you can't you can't talk yeah. about it it's like fuck that i'm jewish it's the one thing i'm allowed to talk about because uh you know you 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 step in shit wherever you're trying to say something um it's, you want to call me anti-semitic go right ahead man like it uh it it um i don't know i just went on a rant there you no, you know, it's, you know, it's very interesting because we, we do look at the Holocaust as this sort of unique event in, in history. And, and sadly, it it's anything but unique. Um, we've been, you know, killing each other uh, senselessly for thousands and thousands of years and always basically for the benefit of, of, a, of a handful of people. Um, I mean, people don't go to war, you know, they're 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 ordered into war, you know, it, <laughs> and it's always been war has always been about, you know, domination, exploitation and and largely the exploitation and theft of resources, whether those resources be human or, or natural. And, uh, you know, and this is where, you know, again, we just. There is something about civilization, which I think is an ironic word because it's anything but civil. Um, that changed human, you know, human nature in, in a way that's just absolutely destructive. I mean, I love referencing the hunter-gatherer societies, um, and, and even among the few that exist today, you know, you, you don't see these, you know, this idea that oh, they always were at tribal, you know, wars, and uh, no, that's just not the way it was. Um, it was a very, I mean, it, in many ways, civilization brought upon. You know, a lot of the diseases that we have to now cure, um, it, it brought about, you know, surges in violence, warfare. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, we can't go back to a hunter gatherer society, but we can certainly learn, you know, a lot from the hunter gatherer societies and 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 model something that that that's similar in that sense. But. Yeah, we are. I mean. It really is. It's just about a controlling the narrative and making sure that there's a divisiveness. Uh, there's always got to be an evil. And it's 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 just it's too easy to repeat. I mean, I, I think we're likely to see something like the Holocaust happen again uh, because we've not learned. We, we, we just not learned how to not let our emotions override our logic. And that to me is is the most frightening aspect because you know, the Holocaust was, I think, the most modern example, the most recent that we have to point to. Um, but 
this idea that it couldn't happen again is what is, is really scary because people actually believe that, oh, that was some sort of unique event that could never happen. And it was all Hitler. No, it wasn't. I mean, and, and you know, the pandemic was a good example. You, all, Hitler just used a, a, a segment of the population, uh, Jews, um, homosexuals, you know, the infirmed, and said, these are the people that are to blame for your economic woes. And if we just get rid of these people, and of course, people want to blame somebody. I mean, they're like, well, I'm not making any money. I'm struggling and it's certainly not my fault. So who can I blame? Well, don't blame the government, blame those people over there. And we saw we saw this kind of really front and center under Trump. And again, only because Trump was, was transparent in what he was doing uh, and not intending to be transparent, but I mean, putting that ugly face on reality. Um, I mean, and and again, that's why I was inspired in a sense, because I saw people rebelling against that in a very unique way, frankly, um, that maybe we haven't seen since the civil rights movement. Um, but unfortunately, it all sort of fizzled as soon as Trump was out of office. And now we've forgotten about the kids in cages and he built those cages and, you know, the the droning that we're doing. All, I mean, People just seem to, I, part of it too, I think, is people were exhausted. And so Trump leaving just allowed people just to turn the switch off and just like, okay, it, 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 I don't have to deal with it. It's not front and center anymore. I can just ignore it. And that is the very, 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 very dangerous place to be. Agreed. Um, and people are also exhausted because they're uh, unhealthy. Um, yes. And so it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, veganism is an ethical stance, but uh, I follow a whole food plant-based vegan diet. And whether or not uh, one agrees that to be the healthiest, uh, the blue zones are the areas in the world with the longest living populations. Uh, they all share 97% plant-based diets. We know that in America, uh, 95% of people don't get enough fiber. Uh, 90% of people aren't yep. getting vitamin D. Vitamin D would have been greatly helpful for respiratory viruses. And that yep. still was not widely advertised because the profiteers that we humans uh, <laughs> think that the people that profit off of us being sick are actually trying to heal us, um, which is a faulty uh yeah. equation it's like of course they're not um if we heal ourselves which we are capable of for the most part there are people with uh birth defects and all types of diseases that can't be cured but the the vast majority of people are um treating their lack of health which largely comes from diet and exercise yeah. uh, with uh, pharmaceutical drugs and uh, and alcohol uh, to numb the pain. And so it's like, until we reclaim our health, we are always going to be um, under their under their power. Uh, and I, you know, I, I listened to one of your podcasts recently, and you said when you were a kid uh tesla and einstein were kind of your heroes and i don't yeah. know 
if you knew, but I'm going to read two quotes. Einstein said, nothing will benefit human health and increase the chances for survival on life, of life on Earth as much as the evolution to a vegetarian diet. And I had not known about that quote. Yeah. And Tesla, Tesla said that we can subsist on plant food and perform our work even to advantage is not a theory, but a well-demonstrated fact. Many races living almost exclusively on vegetables are of superior physique and strength. There is no doubt that some plant foods, such as oatmeal, is more economical than meat and superior in regard uh, to it in regard to both mechanical and mental performance. In view of these facts, every effort should be made to stop the wanton and cruel slaughter of animals, which must be destructive to our morals. I... The Tesla one was a, a recent one that uh, Dorit from Serenity Foods shared with me, and I I didn't I didn't know Tesla went uh, down that line. Tolstoy also Gandhi vegetarian. Uh, I think this nonviolence, um, whether or not you're fully there, starts on our plates, and I think uh, yeah, it affects our health. Uh, and well, well, look at the pandemic, right? Look, look at the COVID pandemic. Um, now, the, the the idea, regardless of where you, people think it came from, um, do you know what really, you, you know where the next pandemic is going to come from? Factory farms. The, the, I mean, that's a ticking time bomb. And so there's so many reasons to abolish this, this practice of killing animals. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's... But again, it goes back to the control mechanisms, right? And part of that is, you know, you look at a lot of these impoverished areas. Well, what do they have? They have fast food. A lot of them don't have grocery stores. You can't tell me that's not intentional. Keeping us in ill health is, I mean, again, it's easier for, for the system to control us and profit from us. And, you know, go back to Hunter Gatherer. There's a, there's a great book. It's called Hunter Gatherer Parenting. And she, she, there are two professors, and uh, the woman was talking about when her son had broken her um, his ankle, and um, they decided that they weren't going to do the, the traditional, they weren't going to do the cast. I mean, they gave them pain medication for the first uh, day or two to help with the pain, and um, talked about how the body can heal itself. And in fact, um, if you allow it to, you know, going back to hunter gatherers, I mean, they didn't have hospitals, right? They didn't have cast and all this other stuff. And long story short, um, her son healed much quicker um, as a result of what they did. And um, I, other than, you know, the initial pain for a few days, um, you know, the recovery was quite fascinating. And, you know, you really have to wonder, uh, and again, if you just look at civilization, I mean, again, a lot of the diseases that, that we have, the chronic diseases, come from the way of life that we've adapted to during civilization. And, and I guess what I mean by civilization is, you know, the large scale agricultural um, system that we have uh, that was quite different from the nomadic hunter gatherer type societies that existed. And look at what we've done. I mean, we've, when we poison the earth, when we slaughter animals and, and again, even, <laughs> Even the slaughter of animals, the way that that's done, um, I mean, not only do you have the environmental factors and 
all of the antibiotics and stuff that's being put into the meat and the processing of food. Um, it's almost virtually impossible, unless you grow your own food, it's almost virtually impossible uh, to eat healthy. And especially if you're, you know, impoverished and it's just sad. And it's because it's, well, we don't even have the kids for God's sakes, you know, don't even, I mean, they're, they're food shaming kids who can't afford their food at school. And some states are just like, yeah, well, if you can't afford it, you don't eat. Wait, what? I mean, this is insane to me. Yeah. So, so it does start on our plate. You're absolutely right about that. Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And indigenous cultures, uh, there was an herb to heal everything. There's a plant to heal everything. And yeah. for the most part, and so there's always this, it's like, uh, as a vegan, I'm not attacking indigenous cultures, especially those who uh, used a little bit of meat and ate a mostly plant-based diet. That is not who I am uh, going after. There's, there's been that controversy within animal rights activism versus indigenous cultures. That is not uh, what I'm here talking about. It's large-scale animal agriculture. Uh, there's also a term, environmental racism. Um, yes. I all these factory farms, they're located in lower socioeconomic areas, uh, many of them black and brown uh, yeah. areas, and uh, the feces from uh, pigs and cattle, cows, um, yeah. pollute the waterways um, on, on top of, uh, you know, methane from cows in the air. Um, and so it, it it's interesting. Um, so I not New York Times wrote about uh, recently there was a, a case with uh, the direct action everywhere founder Wayne Shung and he went and videotaped in 2017 a pig farm in Utah owned by Smithfield and Glenn Greenwald wrote an article about it back then for The Intercept when he worked there, and it was one of the largest shared uh, articles that he had ever written, and Glenn is now vegan as well, um, and the trial finally happened uh, within the past month or so uh, against Wayne Chung um, for rescuing uh, two piglets uh who were close to death um and it seemed like the prosecution and the judge were working together they didn't allow the jury to see the footage that they had taken within that trial they didn't allow them to talk about any of the conditions that the pigs were living in and most people don't think about it i certainly didn't when i grew up eating bacon and and pork chops um but pigs yeah. are some of the most exploited animals you know you, you may see cows uh you know what 83 percent of cows are in factory farms so you'll you'll drive down the road and you'll see cows but you'll rarely ever see pigs it's because they're kept in in factory farms inside yeah. most of them the only time they ever see the sunlight is when they are transported from the farm to the slaughterhouse on their last day of life and, you know, just think about that when you're eating those pigs. Um, but and they're it, highly it, intelligent, too. Not yes. that that should be a factor, but there I mean, there's a sentience to that. I mean, there's a, a this idea that animals don't suffer. Uh, I mean, 
they suffer emotionally, physically, just like we do. Um, and people that, again, people push that out of their minds. Um, but yeah, that almost makes me want to cry. Just the, what you just, you know, just seeing the outside world for the first time. I mean, on the way to slaughter. I mean, it, it's just tragic. Yeah. Um, I find that my compassion for animals only expanded my compassion towards humans. Um, it, like it, it's all, it's the same. The compassion is just the recognition uh, that we are all the same and we're here together and we share this planet yes. together. And there is a, there is a difference between um, killing for survival or in true defense um, and killing for uh, sensory pleasure uh, or profit. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, ultimately most of the time we're eating animals, we were grown, we were, we were born into this system. And so when we talk earlier about slavery and I wish I wouldn't be one of those people, how do I know that I wouldn't have been one of those people back then? You are going to be a product of everything you were taught as a child through uh, your parents, your upbringing, and then, you know, you talked about civilization and civil, I think of the, the cult of culture. Um, it, it Every individual is going to learn this separation and whatever the culture teaches them. And they're going to feel this egoic pull to want to be part of that tribe and, and to not, you know, going back to your hunter-gatherer, be thrown out of the tribe because that's very scary. Uh, yeah. It's uncomfortable. And uh, ultimately, like when we live in systems that are based on profit and greed and power and control, uh, unless we push against them, unless we learn, grow, change and have compassion for our fellow earthlings, then, uh, you know, the system of inequality and destruction uh, exists and persists. What happened to the, sorry, sorry, but. Oh, just, uh, he, he, right to rescue. So um, the jury, no, no, thank you. Um, and uh, the, the organization DXE, Direct Action Everywhere, um, the jury acquitted um, <sighs> because he asserted a right to rescue. And you know, what's funny is um, I didn't know it at the time, but I actually met the two pigs that he rescued. So there is uh, an animal sanctuary, uh, Lovin Arms Animal Sanctuary in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, and that was the first animal sanctuary that I visited. And uh, I, I rubbed their bellies and I, I met those pigs. And only when I was just looking back into the trial, and I remembered the names of the pigs, and then I dug into it. So what they did after they rescued the pigs in Utah, they took them to the animal sanctuary in Colorado. And actually, horrific, the FBI came and cut off one of their ears because they put the FBI on this, which um, ultimately, like the, the trial was over the property, the property, the pigs, were valued at about $40 a piece. So it was $84 of theft that was the charges that they were uh, being charged felonies and going to go to prison for five years for if they were found guilty. Um, and the FBI went and uh, 
this is like the FBI doesn't normally get put on a case that, that is for $84 theft. Um, it is very important for the control systems to not allow the people to see how we exploit animals within the system. And, you know, when we talk about climate change, animal agriculture and water usage, I, I mean, I could go on for days about that. But um, so anyways, the the jury saw through it. And and this is the power of the jury that like ultimately you can uh, as a juror decide that uh, whatever the person is being tried for is wrong and and we are going to assert our, our power unless they're being charged like Assange under the Espionage Act yeah. where they're not allowed to uh, assert. <laughs> that what they're doing is correct but um it, it it that is the power of being a juror juror within our system and so um they were found not guilty and he is wayne is currently uh in a couple of other trials because this is what direct action everywhere does they go on to factory farms and they find uh like Obviously, the conditions are horrible on every farm they go on to, and they rescue a, a couple of goats uh, in North Carolina. He's on trial for rescuing a couple of goats um, and, and bringing them to sanctuary who, who would die anyways. Um, and so this is this whole new right to rescue is a, is a new assertion, a new a new right, essentially. And the jury affirmed it in this case. But uh, Wayne is an attorney. Uh, and, and so he actually defended himself in the trial and asserted this right. And so this is a completely new, uh, thing, but, um, you know, when I think about that and we talk about kids in cages and we, you know, I know, you know, that the United States has 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prison population. Yeah. And uh, like, I think about that and it's like the people... <laughs> like these are our brothers and sisters that are kept in cages. And, and so I think about the right to rescue for animals, which I, I completely believe in is like, how about we go rescue our brothers and sisters who are exploited by the system, who are, you know, this school to prison pipeline, who then go yep. into prison, who, uh, you know, what 84% recidivism rate, because once you go into the system, then you're constantly tracked by the police state and system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're going to find yourself winding back up into there because uh, ultimately, it's really just trauma that you've uh, incurred yep. that yep. needs healing. And until your trauma is addressed and healed, you're going to continue in the same cycles of trauma and living them out throughout your lifetime. It's like, we need a right. We need to assert the right to rescue all the people who are, uh, you know, in yeah. cages in our country and yeah. kids in cages, obviously that's an immigration, you know, I'm, I'm mixing stuff, but like very few people in our U S prison systems are there for violent crimes. Uh, and even if they are, that's not to say they're not deserving of compassion, but certainly right. our prison system is not an area of rehabilitation for these people either. So it, it it's um, <laughs> and then it's like whether or not uh, it's the corporations that run some of the prisons, uh, even state run prisons 
like well the police state profits off that the alcohol industry wants to keep drugs uh illegal the the pharmaceutical industry wants to keep uh you know dr drugs 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 like what are what are good drugs and what are bad drugs and now I'm circling back to Trump's speech last night where he said we're going to put drug dealers uh we're going to charge them yeah. with the death penalty um yeah. and it's like well how about Pfizer how about you start with Pfizer yeah. um all right now I I just went on a whole rant what do you do you have anything to say I'm I, I didn't mean to like go off no <laughs> I I love it I love it I agree with everything that you're saying um yeah, the again, a nation that puts people to death says a great deal about the character of a nation. Um, you know, that to me is just okay, you murder, you know. I, I, I think that the prison population, uh, I mean, you know, I what I never understood is what where do these sentences come from? I mean, who decides, you know, oh, well, you know, 40 years, uh, because you murdered someone or you know, or you know, 20 years for theft of this. Um, this it's so arbitrary. And what people don't, again, understand or want to hear is that crime is a product of this failure of society. Income inequality, poverty, th those are going to lead to crime. Uh, and so if you want to go after the real criminals, uh, they would be the corporations and the politicians who um, allow these cycles of poverty to continue and these cycles of inequality. Um, there's a story, uh, that, uh, ProPublica, uh, did, and I just had an argument. Uh, I was accused of invoking the word slavery inappropriately on Facebook. And, uh, it's a story of in Missouri, um, they're allowing some disabled workers to work for $1 an hour. Now the idea, which it, again, this idea sucks to begin with. But the idea is that, you know, oh, well, we're training, you know, we're teaching them a trade and eventually they'll graduate and they'll go on. Okay, that's great. I don't get the whole why you have to exploit them for $1 an hour thing um, while you're doing this. Uh, and, but to me, this is slavery. And the problem is, is that they never graduate. And again, this is by design. Um, they're stuck in these cycles. I mean, that's like 3000 something dollars a year that these disabled people are, are making. They don't have a choice but to work. It is forced labor. The, the fact that they're not being whipped is irrelevant to me. I mean, to me, that is the definition of slavery. They are being forced to work at these low-wage jobs in horrible conditions with no upward mobility, no chances of, of breaking out of the cycle. For a dollar a day, and this is legal, this is a law that was passed by Congress around the time the minimum, minimum wage was enacted, which again, you're treating people as second-class citizens. How is that not slavery? And people don't, it's like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're insulting the slaves. And it's like, no, it's the same thing. It's the exploitation of humans. And again, let's not forget, for profit by somebody else. And the fact that you're forced to endure this to survive, is, to me, is no different than, I mean, if you want to argue about compensation, you could say, well, the slave owners are providing food and lodging, so there you go. So that was okay, too. But the people get reactive, uh, just like when you had talked about bringing up the Holocaust under COVID. Like, oh, you can't claim you, 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 that's like a protected thing. You can't. No, you know, you're talking about an injustice, uh, uh, you know, an act of inhumanity, an act that begs people to wake up and acknowledge there's an injustice here. And 
you know, there's no contest when it comes to injustice. You know, suffering is suffering. Um, you know, the slaughter of innocence is a slaughter of innocence. It doesn't, you know, whether it's one or a million, it, to me, it doesn't matter. It's all on on par. And until we expand our and broaden our our perceptions, um, instead of having these petty arguments about, well, you can't use the word slavery, you can't you you can't invoke the Holocaust. No, um, you know, these are things that need to be brought up more. Um, and you know, we need to 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 look at you know these images that are painted in our education system about the Holocaust that kind of put it in a protected class or slavery. Those are designed also to control people, to prevent people from acknowledging the injustices that exist today. They don't want you to look at, oh, well, you know, the prison labor population is slavery. You know, they don't want that word associated with it. And so they, they've they created sort of, wep- I'm going to use the word weaponized slavery in the Holocaust to this protected level. And people, you know, and that's what I love about your podcast is, you know, you're not afraid to to go after these topics. You're not afraid to uh, to 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 open people's eyes, and and a lot of people probably don't want to hear a lot of the stuff, um, but they need to. I mean, we need to have these comparisons. We need to have an awakening because we have a, a de- deficit of empathy in, in America, the world is especially, but in in America there seems to be a deficit of empathy, and you know, I mean, you see it mostly in politics where it's the left versus the right, but you know, you've got, you know, a, a sociocultural division as well. Uh, the rich versus the poor that, I mean, and until we start realizing, like what you said, we're all humans, we all have, you know, we're all humans, by the way, don't have any dominant role in, in, in the world. I mean, you know, the animal, I mean, we need to look at nature and, and as something that we are part of rather than something that we exist outside of and control because we are part of nature. We are nature. And this idea that we're somehow dominant has really been destructive. I mean, and, and I want to go back to the factory farm that you mentioned earlier, because um, I was not familiar with that story, but I'm also, I'm pretty sure at least in some States that it's even illegal to photograph on a, a factory farm or to even report on a factory farm uh, the injustices that occur on these farms. Is that? Yeah, they're called correct? ag-gag laws. Uh, a lot of right, them have been you. challenged and struck down as unconstitutional, but that doesn't stop them from putting them on the books and then using the police state to repress people who uh, go after them. And then most, you know, not everyone that gets charged has can afford right. uh, the uh, proper defense, but like ultimately it's meant to just chill uh, people from speaking out against it and doing anything to stand up. And I've never participated with uh, direct action everywhere. I, I support what they do. And oftentimes, even if I myself wouldn't participate in an act of rebellion for whatever reason, I support those who are acting out in rebellion uh, against the state. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah, fuck the state. Um, it, uh, like, there are um, grievances. People have grievances with the state 
rightfully so, as we've just been talking over an hour about all these problems. And I, you know, <laughs> there, it's like when you when you think about a man who is so uh, grievanced by the system that he will burn himself uh, oh, alive man. to make a statement like that is that is what we have here. Uh, and, you know, the ag gag laws, Julian Assange, uh, these are meant to chill our resistance to what is happening. Um, and I just want to bounce off a couple of different things you said. So in the people responding to you in that way about slavery in the same way they did to me about the Holocaust goes back to what you said about emotions, overriding logic, and overriding. I, and I prefer the word reason, but it's it's the same. Yeah, same it's thing. That, yeah. uh, it, you know, the the emotions are uh, strong with the ego um, and, you know, the. The ego feels a certain way and and it feels it needs to be right. And then when it's thrown off by something you say that makes it feel lesser than it lashes out. Uh, and and that's what that's what that is. And it, it overrides reason. And you talk about the one dollar an hour disabled people slavery. And I think about the California firefighting system oh, where they okay. use prison labor for, I believe, a dollar an hour, maybe it's two, uh, and they go in there and they fight the wildfires. Uh, and then when they are released from prison, they're not even allowed to go get jobs <laughs> as uh, firefighters, firefighters which is hilarious to me. And then also with our uh, enormous prison state, um, like it, it brings up the, the fact that we use corporations use the prison state for labor all the time. Walmart yeah. uh, in its supply chain uh, uses it for slavery. And then when I was in Colorado, living in Colorado, I voted to remove slavery, the language from the Constitution. Uh, and I just did it again in Oregon. It, like it, it was still on the state constitutions that basically in like you're as long as they're convicted of a crime, they're allowed to be slaves. Yeah. But then what is it? You know, <laughs> these crimes that we make up loitering is also a crime uh, like but loitering is standing in the police. The, if you allow yeah. uh, the police state to make up a crime or like you create a crime that allows them to make what would be a normal situation a gathering of people uh to become a crime and put them in prison then they're going to in the same way that if you allow the yeah. state to uh declare an emergency and uh override civil liberties then they'll just create an emergency yeah um Absolutely. so that then circles me around to citizens.am and how i got connected with you um so this is your uh people driven am radio station that you started to try and challenge the mainstream narratives and biases combat censorship and defend free speech and promote independent and citizen driven journalism and i am going to read a quote by thomas jefferson are interesting founders uh <laughs> where the press is free and every man able to read all is safe and so i wanted to thank you uh for platforming me oh it's our pleasure my pleasure 
I, 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 what you're doing is important. And every, like, I don't know how it came to you to do this or start this. How, why did you start this? How did, how did this come about? Well, it came about when it basically, and again, this, this, what we started a nonprofit organization back in 2005. And then during the COVID pandemic, that kind of got all dysfunctional um, with the travel bans and because what we were doing is small scale humanitarianism. And one of the things that has been most obvious to me throughout this journey as, as a nonprofit is the need for dialogue and the need to, you know, expand people's perceptions. And, you know, the, the mainstream media is a propaganda machine and it, it creates perceptions and perspectives and it just recycles them. And we're not going to change anything uh, if people are not informed. And Julian Assange uh, also inspired me. I mean, that what's being done to him is such an injustice. And, um, you, you know, you look at also the, the restrictions on COVID. I mean, things that you can and cannot say, you'll get deplatformed on YouTube if you if you go against their guidelines. And and so I decided, you know, the time <laughs> somebody needs to do something. There needs to be an outlet out there that truly stands up for free speech. And, you know, and we're still growing. I mean, we, we, we you know, um, you know, it, it's going to be a long process. I mean, we've got a good listener base, um, thanks to things like TuneIn and different syndication partners, uh, Xeno Radio. We're still looking for 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 you know content um, shows like yours, and I, I, you know, I think podcasting and 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 the ability to um, to reach people through radio, uh, if you know. One of the things that we, for instance, that we decided to do is partner with Zeno, which allows people in third world nations to bypass censorship by using uh, a dial-in number that they can listen to any kind of station that they want to. So we have a international number that people can use to listen to the station from wherever they are in the, in the world. Um, so if they've got a cell phone or a landline phone in North Korea, for instance, they could access the station. And that's one of the reasons why we try to narrow our focus to radio is because it has such an expansive reach and that ability to break the barrier of censorship was very appealing to me. And so that's kind of the story behind the station. We really wanted to provide a platform for citizen journalism where we controlled to the, I mean, this isn't to say that we somewhere along the supply chain that we use, we couldn't be shut down. Uh, we, we've got some redundancy built into that. Um, you know, we own the servers, we own, you know, but again, Zeno, for instance, if they decided that they didn't, you know, want our content or or whatever. Um, but again, we do have some redundancy in, in that. And the idea is that we want people, I think it's important for people to have a dialogue. If you want to question the COVID practices, if you want to question the vaccine, you ought to be able to do that. That's part of what science is about. Science is, you know, about it, science is 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 ignorance. It is looking for something that that no one knows exists. And this, I mean, if you look at Einstein, you look at Tesla. I mean, they they all challenged the the mainstream narratives of their of their day, and and they were, I mean, Tesla especially was was considered an outcast. I mean, he was considered insane. And and look at today. Now we're like, oh my God, what a genius. 
I mean, he was way ahead of his time. That's what science is about. This idea that you can't talk about COVID, you can't talk about ivermectin, you can't, I don't, if you, if you want to even deny the existence of COVID, that's fine with me. Go ahead. The way that you combat misinformation and bad speech is with more speech, with open debate. The minute you, you close that channel, that's when you have fascism. That, that is where fascism is going to thrive. And we have become too comfortable with censorship on, I mean, things that, you, I mean, the television networks, um, social media in particular, the whole cancel culture. And what to me is what is most alarming is that a lot of the champions for this are on the left. I mean, I, I didn't realize that these things were political to begin with, but apparently they are. And, you know, I don't like Donald Trump. He ought to, he shouldn't have been kicked off of Twitter. I mean, so that was kind of the idea that we needed to, and also we wanted a progressive station or socialist station there since the word progressive is right. <laughs> um, you know, we wanted something to kind of combat the right wing that dominates talk radio in particular and give people a more, you know, progressive outlook and, and voice. Um, and, you know, we, we really made it a point to, you know, have an open platform um, that, in, that welcomes everybody. But again, we do focus on a progressive and a progressive voice to kind of counter the narratives that exist out there. Well, it's, it's a noble pursuit. And I, you know, it's interesting until I, cause I did just have the green party candidate for uh, Senate in Oregon, uh, U.S. Senate in the state of Oregon on, and I didn't actually know the Green Party motto was not left, not right, but up front. Uh, and that's what he said. And I always thought it was just a, a left wing party. But um, <laughs> through the through the COVID uh, emergency crisis pandemic overriding of civil liberties, uh, I uh, I used to think I was a leftist once I learned what that word meant. And I no longer think that. I, I think to label is to limit ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, when I look at one of these political maps, I find myself uh, like in the bottom left quadrant, like an anarcho-communist, anarcho-socialist, like on, yeah. on one hand, like the only function of the state uh, in my mind uh, and if it's not doing this, failing to deliver clean water, nutritious food, shelter, uh, you know, the basic necessities of life for people, then then the state is uh, yeah. not worthy. And at the same time, I'm going to pull out Jefferson again because I'm a civil libertarian and rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. I do not add, quote, within the limits of the law, end quote, because law is often but the tyrant's will and always yeah. so when it violates the rights of the individual. And I just watched what I thought was the left or I guess is the left and my eyes were woken up to it, violate the rights of the individual en masse uh, and cheer it. And, and I found that to be egregious. And I don't want to be associated with any uh, group who would ostracize 
uh, and and segregate our brothers and sisters for making uh, different decisions than them that don't actually infringe uh, upon their freedom. And so I just, um, I wasn't sure that the, that uh, an ideology such as mine was allowed to be anywhere other than uh, me producing my own content. Uh, like, I, I didn't know that that would that would be acceptable. I don't think what I say is acceptable to the masses uh, as as they currently exist. And so like what you just said, um, and yeah, obviously that label progressive, it's like, it's tough because you say that, but you don't yeah. want to limit yourself either. Um, it, it's just like, it's so important to have uh, alternative platforms uh, to put out ideas that challenge people to think differently, whether or not someone, I hope people disagree with me. I hope they question everything I'm saying. And I hope they yes. question everything they believe because like, ultimately I can't teach anybody anything. I can only uh, make them think. And so that's my that's my goal here. That's that's my hope. It seems like that's what you're trying to do too. Because the more people think Absolutely. and question, the more that we can wake up to our our interdependence and unity, and the fact that we share this fucking planet together. And I love you yep. and everybody on it, even if you've committed violence or atrocities or whatever it is. It's like you're acting out some trauma that's been inflicted upon you yep. and I wish you compassion and healing and help you on your journey. And that's like, yeah, I, I, and why is that controversial? Why is that not the, the, the default for everyone? Right. I mean, you know, you're so, I mean, again, I'm going to bring up the Holocaust. Hitler was also a victim. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't born that way. Right. I mean, there were injustices that took place that led him to do what he did. And if we as a society really want to prevent these atrocities and these tragedies, we damn well need to start paying attention and and, and having empathy for each other and and moving ourselves away from this demonization of people. And we need to start looking at each other as victims, victims of a society. You know, everyone that commits a, a crime that 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 is on the society itself. And we are all to blame and we all have a role in fixing the system. And if we're not doing that, then, you, you know, you're part of the problem. I'm going to end on my side with a quote from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. And I guess, Sean, is there anything that you want to add to uh, close off this conversation, which I have greatly appreciated? Well, I just want to thank you um, so much for having me on the show. And I want to thank you for producing a wonderful podcast. Um, it, it's really a, an honor to have you on our platform. Um, so I just want to thank you uh, for, for what you're doing as well, because it, this is incredibly important. And the more people... That, and and it's very courageous, also. Um, I mean, it's it's. I, believe me, I, I I didn't think that even doing my podcast would be that big big of a challenge. But I mean, you do you open up yourself to be very vulnerable, and so I want to applaud you 
Um, you've got a great podcast and um, one that I can only hope to <laughs> hope to want to at least imitate to some degree. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again. And remember, even a pebble can create many ripples. <laughs>